Comedians have learned to bridge their own digital divide during the pandemic in order to stay afloat without any live laughs. Many have utilized platforms such as Instagram Live, podcasting, and YouTube in order to practice their art form in addition to teaming up with other stand-up comedians in order to reach a wider audience and utilizing a conversational tone in order to appeal to more people. Mike Jaglin is a talent and development producer with extensive experience in comedy development, unscripted and linear digital production, sports, and comedy podcasting, and so much more. He also was the host and creator of Clipcast, the first official podcast for the LA Clippers back in 2012. He joined me this week to have a discussion about the intersection of sports, comedy, and podcasting. I'm Kevin McShann. Let's have this conversation. Absolutely, Mike. I welcome you to the program, and I have to tell you that I'm excited to talk to you today about sports, uh, comedy, and podcasting. Great to see you uh, this afternoon, and thanks so very much for being here. Thank you for being on the show. Yeah, as we know, you know, sports uh, and comedy in the podcast world, they kind of they kind of go hand in hand, and uh, it's really um, been interesting to see how uh, a lot of comedians have gone into not just podcasting because it feels like every comedian has a podcast um especially with the pandemic if you didn't have a podcast you were kind of in trouble uh but uh you know um uh, there are people you know such as sam tripoli uh and joe prano and i was on kevin brennan's sports podcast recently a lot of comics do have sports podcasts which, which, which I, I think is very important. Sports is a very uh, big issue. And I think it, people get t- tired of uh, listening to the, the talking head or the analytical perspective all the time. Absolutely. So my first question for you today is obviously because of uh, COVID, everything's had to pivot. And I'm wondering uh, your thoughts in particular about how uh, – comics and the uh, comedy industry as a whole has sort of used the digital space uh, to their advantage during this time. Well, there were a lot of um, online comedy shows, which are very tough because you have a lack of audience. 
So you would have people, you know, go on and subscribe to the Zoom and uh, do stand up that way, but you're not doing it in, in, in front of an audience. Um, I was told by a good friend, Todd Glass, that like a lot of comics were complaining because, you know, it's a lack of stage time, a lack of being able to work out. If, if you're unable to, you know, go to a gym or have a gym at your house, you know, you're, you're kind of handicapped with that. Um, and, but having a podcast, getting back to the podcast uh, element, it was, is huge and was huge for a lot of these comedians during the pandemic. Um, I have a friend, Ian Bag, that he launched basically kind of an around the horn uh, Zoom type show. Um, and, and, and you're seeing, you know, most podcasts as we are right now are via Zoom. So for the comic in general, I feel like you know, if they weren't utilizing their time, you know, doing podcasts or, you know, doing some of these live shows via Zoom, they were kind of wasting their time until, you know, we get to where we kind of are now, where the road is opening. And Mike, I'm also uh, curious to follow up by asking you, how do you think we uh, uh, successfully uh, combine both sports and, and comedy to make uh, uh, appealing product. Well, I think the key, like, uh, I think the key is one, the comedian or the host has to have a, that that has a comedic background has to be knowledgeable in sports. You want to know what you're talking about and and what these people are, are saying in a way that they're just not rambling, um, you know, and then vice versa. If, you know, I'm, I have more of a sports persona, but I want to make m my podcast a little more uh, comedic based, I'm going to ha have to be able to have those chops. Um, there are very, very, I would say, very few podcasts that are able to do both, even though they do kind of go hand in hand. Um, there, it, it isn't the easiest thing to do uh, is to, to combine the two. Um, I was lucky enough in 2012, I started my own podcast called Clipcast and I brought in an actor comedian, Chris Wilde, and uh, we ended up becoming the podcast for the LA Clippers for three seasons. And I was more of the straight guy and more of the stat guy and he was more of the comic relief. And again, that's another way to do it. You have your straight guy, you have your comic relief guy, almost like kind of like doing a sitcom. Um, but, um, but yeah, that, that's, that, that's kind of how I, I, I kind of bridge the way comedy and, and sports kind of go hand in hand. And, and let's be honest, like comedy and sports are two, two of the largest forms of entertainment. And um, if you're able to blend them together into a, a successful you know, baby that turns into, you know, some type of like awesome love child, then I think you've won. And tell me, Mike, as you know, uh, just because you've been a famous uh, celebrity or sports star doesn't automatically mean uh, that you'll automatically be successful in, in the podcasting space. Because as you know, it's a saturated market. So how do you think uh, we, celebrities and other people uh, in the sports industry uh, can succeed in this uh, saturated market? 
I think comics and, uh, you know, um, people in sports have uh, have that issue. Just because you're a celebrity doesn't necessarily mean that someone wants to listen to you weekly on a podcast. You know, it's important to have a certain angle, uh, some certain hook uh, to be able to, 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 to gravitate into those listeners. And for people that want to know, like, even if you're starting the podcast or want to start a podcast, you've got to be patient. Um, you, you've really got to know one, you know, you got to know your voice. You got to know your demographic. You got to have your social media outreach and you've got to be able to know that, you know, you know, Rome wasn't built overnight. Your podcast isn't going to be built overnight. And I think you're seeing a lot of celebrities and I know a lot of comics they don't want to name names. They have big names, but their podcasts don't do great. It's just the way it is. Um, some people just don't tune in for that. And, you know, you, you see, I think, more podcasts that do well when you have a certain cut and dry angle, when you, you know, cover a certain team, when you, you know, when you, when you have a view of something that is, um, you know, like Ryan Sickler does the Honeydew podcast, which is phenomenal, which he basically takes like the most shameless acts of, of, of that, that people have done and creates the positives out of them. You know what I mean? Like finding finding angles in a podcast that just isn't, you know, surrounding one guy or two guys and a microphone bringing on guests. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. it's just like uh, uh, announcing uh, a basketball game just because you were former athlete doesn't always mean you'll make the transition to broadcasting, right? Oh, we know that. We know that. We see that all the time. And, uh, you know, Jer Jason Witten had to go back into playing playing football because he was an unsuccessful, unsuccessful broadcaster. Uh, you know, it, it just doesn't translate for some people. It's just the way it is. And that's the same thing with the podcast world. You have a lot of athletes out there that are trying their own podcast and their view. I know um, Stephen Jackson and Matt Barnes podcast is very, very popular, but they have an angle, you know, um, you just can't be a former athlete and say, hey, I'm going to start a podcast and expect everyone just to jump on board. Um, it's important to one, have that, you know, uh, demo that you know, you're going to hit, have have some type of yeah, social media presence, but you've got to know what your show is. If you don't know what your show is, the viewer's not going to know and not going to want to come back. Yeah, angles are, are very important, and that leads nicely into my next que question, which is, with your experience in the talent development space uh, digitally, what sort of uh, characteristics or qualities do you look uh, for in people when you're trying to transition them uh, to the digital space? Uh, we look for, you, you want to look for people that are uh, vibrant, but that are able to, you know, um, bring something to the table, um, you know, fill a void, fill a need, yet be able to grow in that space and into that role. Uh, that, that, that's very important. Um, I, I think we get lost, you know, um, like getting back to what we were just talking about of like, just because I'm successful at one thing doesn't mean I'm going to be successful in another thing. But, you know, the podcast world 
is a world that I think that is never going to go away. It's only going to get bigger. And um, I, I feel like there's a lot of, a lot of uh, noise out there of people that probably aren't going to, you know, be able to make the cut, but there probably are, you know, hundred hundreds out there that we don't know of today that are going to have stellar podcasts in the future. I mean, it's, it's, it's really, really interesting um, because it gets, goes back to the angles and the perspective and, and knowing what you are to make sure that you're going to be successful in, in creating that podcast or, or creating digital content. Yeah. And as you mentioned earlier, you create, you created a Clipcast, which was the official uh, podcast for the Clippers for about three seasons. So I'm curious to get your thoughts on the state of their playoff run and the NBA playoffs in general. Well, I mean, it was a great run until Kawhi got hurt. And I think we all, um, when it happened, we kind of grimaced, but we didn't think that it was going to be uh, an issue like it has been uh, right now. We know he's out with an ACL injury. We don't know the severity. Um, you know, the playoffs, uh, this round has been great. Uh, I thought the first round was decent. But, you know, it, it's actually, it feels like it's a war of attrition. Uh, you know, if, if who's going to be healthy, healthiest at the end is going to probably be the one standing unless Kevin can, Durant can put the nets on the shoulders and take them all the way. Um, I, I think the product probably has taken a hit because they had to, to go into such a condensed schedule. And now you're going to have guys coming off the season that are going to go play basketball in the Olympics. So that that's going to be even be a quicker turnaround when it comes to so that for next season um, and then th that season will get started back up in October. So, you know, I, I, I do feel like I, I love basketball and I love the playoffs. I do think we're, we're in for some fun. Um, the Chris Paul news came down too that, you know, he's dealing with COVID protocols. So he might miss a couple games in the next round. It, it's, it's, it's a really different state of sports. You know, if you look at it, your best player could be unavailable due to either injury or to COVID at any moment. And that's just something you have to live with. And unfortunately for the Clippers, for the Suns, that's what they're dealing with right now. And I'm curious to follow up and ask you, uh, what lessons do you think uh, the NBA can learn from this season in terms of injury management, the quality of the product they're putting out, and uh, moving forward, how do you think they can improve the pro uh, product moving forward? I think the key is getting just back on track into a, a consistent schedule, um, something that, that, that kind of um, mirrors what we had in years past. Um, you, you know, when, when once they got thrown into the bubble and they needed to turn around the season right away, um, there was a lot of pushback, especially from, you know, LeBron. Um, and uh, you've seen, you know, the wear and tear that these guys have had on their bodies uh, because the product is so important and there's so much money it's at stake. I mean, let's not forget, you know, sports, entertainment, business. So business is all about making money and the NBA needs to make money. 
So, you know, I, I, I feel like next season we'll, we'll start to slowly, hopefully get back on track. Um, though I'm, again, I'm worried with the Olympics, you know, you're going to have these guys, you know, coming off the playoff runs, going to the Olympics, then going in the training camp. That's a lot. And, uh, I'm curious since you, uh, follow the Clippers and, and uh, you're closely associated to them. I, I, I'm curious to ask you about uh, Chauncey Billups in particular. You know, his name, his name has been banded about for some uh, uh, coaching vacancies. Do you think uh, he'll get one this uh, coaching round? And what do you think about uh, the coaches that have already been let go? Well, um you know, I, I feel Chauncey will definitely get a job. Chauncey uh, is a player's league, and I think players relate to former players, especially someone like Chauncey that has such a, a great pedigree and is a borderline Hall of Famer. Um, he's Chauncey, knowing the story of, you know, last year he was in the booth. He took extensive notes. When um, the pandemic happened, he went to – to Denver with Ty Lu or wherever they ended up going to talk he went with Ty Lu just to basically learn X's and O's. And uh, Brian Seaman, the play-by-play voice of the Clippers was telling me that like Chauncey would, when they would do games would have binders that he would take notes and c- continuously try to, you know, learn and, and figure this stuff out. Cause originally Chauncey um, a couple of years prior, it was linked to possibly being a front office guy. And now, you know, he's, he's made that, that, that jump into coaching. And I think, you know, you look at a lot of these vacancies and, and I think Chauncey will, will easily, easily get one of these jobs. Um, I think Sam Cassell is another guy uh, that deserves a look. You know, he's been under Doc's wings for years. Um, you know, Boston's an interesting place. You know what you're getting with Tatum and Brown. Uh, you know, you know, you, you, you have Dame and Portland, um, you know, it, it, it's going to be very intriguing. Becky Hammond will definitely get a look for sure, uh, as she should. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if this is the, if we do have our first female coach uh, this offseason. And if the Bucs uh, bow out in this round against the Nets, do you think Mike Bolton holds He's gone. Gone. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's just, it's the same old thing, you know? And I think that's why the the Clippers made the adjustment last year and firing Doc Rivers is like, you can only play the cards that many times and come up short. And um, we saw in that game five, you have no business, you know, losing the game like that, especially when you should be dictating it more inside rather than just settling for jumpers and allowing, you know, Jeff Green, you know, a a historic performance by Kevin Durant playing 48 minutes and scoring those 49 points or 47 points, whatever he scored. Um, You know, he, 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 he's going to fall on the sword. Um, Milwaukee has um, committed a lot to that team going forward. And I think you're going to hear, uh, Mike D'Antoni's name probably associated to that. That'll probably be a trendy name. Um, I don't know if Ch- Chauncey would will, will be associated to that at, at all. But um, yeah, I, I would assume he would be definitely uh, <laughs> definitely out. 
Yeah, absolutely. And Mike, I'm also curious to ask you about what makes you laugh most importantly with your uh, history and comedy and just in general, when you need a good, good laugh, what do you go to, Bun? Well, I mean, I think um, self-deprecating humor is always the best. Uh, I, I, I always feel like it's relatable, right? We, we all have, you know, flaws. We all have mistakes. Um, you know, um, you know, storytelling is, you know, something I also like too. When you have a, a, a comic or a, a story that sheds a lot of light and a lot of comedic thing but i i'm a big self-deprecating humor person and that you can kind of relate to what that person's going through and who they are rather than you know a comic that just has like a perspective via you know politics or you know what i mean um it's it's a lot more easier for me uh you know even though i you know will watch you know political humor shows um I, I i i'm i'm all for self-deprecating i'm all in for self self-deprecating humor gotcha and i'm also curious to ask you you know we got the nba draft lottery coming up next week uh, what do you expect to happen there and uh, who you got winning the whole thing in basketball buddy who do i have winning the whole thing in basketball let's hit that first um Unfortunately, I'm going to say it's going to be um, I, I, I my dream is the Sixers and the, and the Clippers, but that's probably not going to happen. Um, I'm going to say I'm just I just have a weird feeling that it's going to be Utah and the Nets. Um, I think the Nets will, will figure out a way to get there. And uh, I think uh, Utah will give them a tough test. But, um, you know, Honestly, I would like to see Philly um, get out of the East. And I think uh, if Philly gets out of the East, I think Philly's capable of beating Utah, um, even with Utah having, you know, one of the best records in the league. Um, and with the, you know, the draft lottery, it's an interesting, you know, draft because you have Cade Cunningham, you know, uh, you've got Suggs from Gonzaga. Um, the, there really isn't like a, a, a true number one guy uh, this year. So it's going to be interesting to see it, it kind of, you know, similar to what it was last year, but a lot of good players. Um, so I, and, and I think the, you, the, the evaluation this season will be a lot better because we're not dealing under the COVID protocols, you know, a lot of these guys were drafted without, you know, having workouts. Um, that's going to be, you know, great being able to have the mini camps and, you know, summer league's going to be in full effect. Um, but I, I do think that this is a pretty, pretty deep draft. And uh, I, I think there are some guys that, you know, could definitely be some good rotation pieces, you know, in the late first round, early second round. And just going back to uh, coaching vacancies for a minute, how uh, important do you think that it is to get a new blood into the coaching ranks as head coaches as opposed to hiring uh, retread coaches? That's a great question. Um, I, I think that, you know, you need new blood but the problem is it needs to be new blood that has a voice going back to what we talked about earlier in podcasts, 
you need to have a voice. Well, you need to have a voice in coaching. Just because you're new blood doesn't mean you're going to be able to get that team over the hump. I mean, we had Doug Collins for years with the Bulls back in the 80s, unable to get over the hump. Phil Jackson comes in. You had Del Harris, you know, with the Lakers. Phil Jackson comes in. Um, I, I f- feel, though, you know, it, since it is such a player's league, you need a coach that is relatable, um, that is willing to adjust, willing to listen to their number one players, but yet put the smack down. I think Ty Lu is a great example of that, especially when he coached uh, Cleveland to that title in 2016, being able to put LeBron in his place, yet be able to, to have the respect for, of LeBron and the respect of the team. Um, you know, retread coaches are always going to be there, but you look at, look at what Nate McMillan's been doing in Atlanta. That's been phenomenal. You know, he got that job on default because Boyd Pierce was fired and they've been one of the best teams in basketball since then. And he was kind of pushed out of Indiana and, and back looking back at it, you know, in retrospect, he probably should have stayed. Never been fired. Should, yeah. Never been fired. I mean, they just fired their other coach. And, and that's the thing, too. It's like, okay, if I'm going into that, into that situation now, what, what, what does that show me? What, you know, what's the stability factor? Um, and I think a lot of it has to fall on GMs, too. You know, the GMs really have to evaluate what these coaches are, are going to bring and what they're capable of doing um, when you're looking at new coaches. Um, if you're looking at, you know, places that you know aren't going to go more we just heard that Stan Van Gundy got let go and Scott Brooks got let go um Van Gundy will probably go back in the booth I would assume and Scott Brooks you know will probably get a job somewhere again um and and and, you know I think the retread thing it's always going to be there but it does feel like we're kind of reaching the rope end of the rope with some of these guys doesn't it Well, uh, I know that uh, Mike D'Antoni recently interviewed for the Portland. uh, I don't know if uh, uh, he should get what he wants. uh, He wants that Milwaukee job. That's what he wants. (laughs) Uh, I don't know if he should get another bite of the apple, but it would certainly be nice to uh, see new blood in the coaching ranks. But I'm curious to also ask you, Mike, um, once COVID is officially over, what are you uh, most looking forward to getting back to? Um, well, restrictions were just lifted in Los Angeles. Unfortunately, I can't go to the game six uh, tomorrow night. Um, but, you know, just being able to go to sporting events freely. Um, you know, I went to one game limited capacity in the regular season. I've been lucky enough to go to, to uh, two playoff games. Um, California's done a phenomenal job with the COVID numbers. So we're able to open up. Um, but, you know, I, I'm just happy to be able to, to go to events again. Um, and, you know, it's been hard for a lot of media members too, because you can't go to shoot around. You can't, you know, you, you don't get your, um, your typical, you know, locker room press or press conferences after the game. Everything's done via Zoom. So, um, you know, just having that kind of go back to normal in sports, I think will be a big step as well. But for me, it's all about events. It's all about sports, concerts, and doing activities that, you know, I've really been held back over the last year and a half. 
Yeah, and Mike, my final question for you is if uh, people want to get connected with you, what's the best way they can do that, Bum? At MJags24 on Twitter. Um, I, I do podcasting for 213 Hoops. You can do at 213 Hoops, uh, which is on, on Twitter, and they have their own site. Um, I'm doing a podcast tonight after the game, um, and that is the best way to get a hold of me. Fantastic, Mike. I really enjoyed our discussion about the intersection of sports, comedy, and podcasting. Your time, uh, insights, and perspectives are most appreciated. And th- thanks a million uh, for joining me today, Bob. No, it was a pleasure. It was a pleasure. And you take care.